0: If you'll turn with us tonight to the book of Luke, chapter 23, Luke chapter 23 tonight. And if you're able to stand with us for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 23. We'll read one verse of Scripture tonight, have prayer, and then you can be seated. Luke chapter 23, and we begin reading verse number 34. The Bible said, then, Jesus, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you will help us these next few moments. I pray, God, that you'll give us liberty. I pray the Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts tonight. God, may we not just, uh, Lord, hear the preaching, but I pray that it would take hold of us tonight. God, make it real, and we'll thank you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to notice that in this verse of Scripture, this is the first of the seven sayings of Jesus when he was on the cross and of course a few weeks ago for Easter Sunday our preachers in the church seven of them preached the seven sayings of the cross and and I thought every one of them did a good job and I really enjoyed the service and so I'm not going to in any way try to add anything to what they've already said about these seven sayings of the cross but what I want you to notice about these seven sayings tonight of the cross is that this is the first saying of the cross and out of those seven sayings that Jesus spoke out of the cross or from the cross uh, three of those sayings were prayers upon the lips of our Lord you think about this saying here as he said father forgive them for they know not what they do and then later Christ cries my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and then finally we see Jesus in his last thing that he said the last prayer that he prayed and the last statement that he made on the cross he said father into thy hands I commit my spirit, and so we see the seven sayings of the cross, and we know that out of those seven sayings, uh, uh, that Jesus, three of them, our Lord, is praying. And I think that's interesting tonight because that uh, Jesus spent his whole life by prayer. In Mark chapter one, in verse thirty-five, the Bible said, "Rising up a great while before day, he went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed." On the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord's first sermon, he spoke about fasting, he spoke about giving, he spoke. about about the Beatitudes. He spoke about a lot of things but one of the things that is woven throughout all those many topics that the Lord spoke about uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the one subject that keeps coming up is the subject of prayer. In Matthew chapter number 6, he said, and when thou prayest, uh, he said, you're not to be as the heathen are. He said, for they th- the, the hypocrites are for they think that they'll be heard for their much speaking. He said, but your Father knoweth what things you have meet up before you ask. He said, when thou prayest enter in thy closet and when thou shut the door pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly and he said after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen and so he gives the model prayer in Matthew chapter number 7 he talks about prayer again as Jesus begins to talk about that in verse number 7 he said ask and it shall be given you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and to him that seeketh findeth and him that knocketh it shall be open so Jesus talked about the place of prayer he talked about the pattern of prayer and then he talked about the promise of prayer in that. First sermon. I'm just simply saying that Jesus uh, emphasized prayer throughout all of his ministry. He prayed when he was on the mountain of Transfiguration and prayed until his de- his uh, humanity gave way to his deity. He prayed out in the desert when he broke the five lo- uh, the, when he broke the bread and gave the five loaves and the two fishes. Uh, uh, listen, the, uh, uh, listen. He pray, prayed uh, uh, whenever. Uh, uh, listen, he was uh, uh, again when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. The the Bible said until his sweat became as great drops of blood. Jesus spent his whole life uh, by prayer. When he was on the the cross uh, he is praying. Uh, And so Christ, even right now, you know what he's doing right now? The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Uh, He has a praying ministry right now. So Jesus uh, spent his life by prayer. He prayed on the mountain. He prayed in the desert. He prayed, my friend, in the temple. He prayed in the garden. uh, But he prayed on the cross, amen? I mean, of all the places uh, for Jesus to make a prayer place, uh, the cross of Calvary uh, seems one of the most interesting places uh, uh, to pray. What it teaches us is this principle, that there's never a time uh, and there's never a place uh, that we cannot pray and talk to our Father, amen? I mean, Jesus, uh, in his hour of death, uh, in his hour of agony, through all the pain and through all the suffering, while he is bearing the weight of sin uh, and the bearing the weight of the cross our Lord found time to pray. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on Calvary, the place of prayer. Calvary, the place of prayer. I think that's important because as Jesus is on the cross, he spends more time talking to the Father than he does anyone else. He spends more time in prayer than he does anything else. And so what I want us to do for a few moments tonight, I want us to know Notice these three prayers uh, that Jesus prays while he's at Calvary. Look with me in verse number 34. We find here what we call the first prayer. Amen. The Bible said, then he said, then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, when you think about the first prayer that Jesus prays here, I want you to notice his father. That's interesting because uh, when Jesus was in Pilate's hall, he would not hardly speak to Pilate. Amen he remained silent and he held his peace. Uh, When Jesus went before Herod, he would not even speak to Herod. Uh, We think about when Jesus was before the Sanhedrin. The Bible says again, he held his peace. Uh, But the moment that Jesus gets on the cross, uh, the first person he talks to is his father. Amen. He cries out to his father. I think that's a good pattern and principle for all of us. Uh, The first person we all should talk to every day of our life uh, ought to be our Father. Amen. The first person we call out to whenever hard times and trials come in our life ought to be our Father. What I'm saying tonight is this. uh, Prayer should not be the last resort, but prayer ought to be the first resort. Amen. We ought to not never say well, there's nothing else we can do but pray. No, I tell you we ought to run the first time uh, a trouble comes or a need arises uh, in our life. Uh, And Jesus the moment he's on the cross, uh, he prays to his Father. Father, amen. Now that's important because the first person he talks to is his father. Amongst the seven sayings, the first word is Father. The last person Jesus talks to on the cross is his father. The last person he spoke to before he died was his father. Jesus is praying to his father in the beginning when he's on the cross. And he's praying to his father at the end when he's on the cross. I see his father in this first prayer. Then I see his forgiveness as he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, tonight, forgiveness is a good idea until we're called upon to do it. Isn't that right? I mean, forgiveness seems like a very good principle. We sing about it and we shout about it. But I'll tell you, when somebody does us wrong, when somebody mistreats us, when somebody doesn't do us right, and we're called upon to forgive them, and even if they don't ask for that forgiveness, uh, and my friend, and we're still feeling our heart that we need to forgive them, it becomes a very difficult time, a very difficult time difficult place to find ourselves in but what will help us in those moments is to remember as the Bible said in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 29 and be a kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you I remind you that this crowd in verse number 34 they did not ask for his forgiveness but he forgave them anyway and it's a double fold forgiveness you say what do you mean preacher they need forgiveness for sins and they need forgiveness for what they've done wrong you see they sinned against God but they've done Jesus wrong he was not guilty, he was innocent he did not deserve to die but they crucified him anyway and my friend they clearly, they listen they had a mock trial, listen they brought false witnesses in, they made false accusations against him if ever a man was misrepresented and mistreated it was the Lord Jesus Christ but in spite of what they did what this verse tells us is that when man was at his worst, uh, Christ still showed mercy on them. When man was doing the most horrendous uh, and the most sickest and the most wicked and perverse thing that could ever be done, uh, Christ prayed, Father, forgive them. And if Jesus can forgive those uh, that crucified him, then you and I can forgive anyone that crucifies us uh, and says things about us. Uh, We ought to extend mercy. Isn't that right? We ought to extend grace. uh, We ought to have a heart uh, of forgiveness tonight, amen. God never blesses people who holds grudges, amen. Now I know there's nobody sitting here tonight that would hold a grudge, but I have seen a few. You say, preacher, how do you know if I'm holding a grudge if you can remember all the details? You have not let it go. I'm not talking about if you sit down that you can't remember them all. We can all do that. But I'm talking about, if you can sit around and talk about something that happened five, 10 or 15 years ago, and you can still talk about it as if it's fresh yesterday and it's still in your vocabulary. If it's in your vocabulary, then it's in our mind, amen? And if we can still remember all the details, we've not really forgiven those individuals. You say, but preacher, what if they never asked for my forgiveness? Well, there can't be reconciliation until they ask for forgiveness. But what you can do is forgive them regardless of how they may be or what they may have treated you because forgiving them gives you freedom. Forgiving them keeps you from getting bitter about bad circumstances in your life. And when Jesus was on the cross in this first prayer, he forgave those that did not want his forgiveness, those that did not ask for his forgiveness, and those that would never appreciate his forgiveness. You see, forgiveness doesn't have near as much to do with them as it does with me. Amen? You have the ability, and I have the ability tonight. When someone does us wrong, we have the ability to forgive them at any moment. Any time without any, uh, listen, without any strings attached to it, we can choose to forgive regardless of what other people say or think about it. Do you know tonight that's liberty? When you just let go of what others have done to you, you cannot do that without prayer. I promise you tonight if somebody in this church has been mistreated, and there may be somebody right now that's mistreating you, but if you'll forgive them in your heart, it doesn't matter. You said. but if I forgive them, preacher, they're still gonna mistreat me. You'll be a different individual if you forgive them. You'll live free or let them live in misery. But why you li- why should you live in misery just because they've drank them they drank the poison of bitterness doesn't mean you need to drink that same poison. Let them go on if that's what they want to do. But just go ahead. Somebody said something. It's been probably 5 or 6 months ago, but somebody told me they said, you know, that they, they and they named so a uh, uh, such and such a a uh, uh, program and they said, you know, they said something about your church. And, and they said, what well, uh, what do you think about that? Would you said well I don't think anything about it Uh, they said well does it bother you I said not in the least I said I feel sorry for people that don't have no better time uh, than to just sit around and pick somebody else apart I said doesn't change my world we're just going to keep on doing what we've always done because we know it's right isn't that right Uh, uh, but I wouldn't waste my time uh, uh, trying to hunt down every little ounce of criticism that comes our way if you do anything for God there's always going to be opposition isn't that right now we ought to not go looking for it and we ought to not stir it up but what we have to do is keep a right attitude and a right spirit regardless of others amen and you do that through prayer I see here that Jesus in this first prayer I see his father I see his forgiveness and then I see his foes look what he said father forgive them for they know not what they do do you know tonight it was man that falsely accused him It was the soldiers that drove the hammer and the nails into his feet and his hands. And it was those that stood around the cross that mocked him, but it was God that crucified him. Man may have carried out the crucifixion, but God planned it from the foundations of the world. What gave Jesus peace in this prayer is that to know that he could forgive them because while they thought they were in charge, they had absolutely no idea what was really taking place. Uh, There was a greater plan. There was a greater path. Uh, There was a greater promise that was taking place. Uh, Don't you know if the devil would have understood Calvary? He'd have done everything he could have and have kept Jesus from going there. Don't you know if the world would have understood Calvary? Calvary. they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. I'm telling you my friend uh, uh, listen all they were that day was puppets on strings uh, as they thought they was in charge uh, Jesus told Pilate you'd have no power at all uh, except it be for God. Uh, I want to tell you Jesus was still in charge on the cross uh, he was still king uh, on the cross of Calvary. He had not lost his power, he had not lost his authority, he was in the plan of God, the providential hand of God. Was it much at work at Calvary and the reason it pleased the Lord to bruise him was because it was all a part of God's plan. When Adam fell in the garden, it took Adam by surprise. It took Eve by surprise. Hey listen, it took everybody else by surprise but it did not take God by surprise. I want to tell you my friend, he knew exactly what was going to happen and I want to say tonight this first prayer we find that these foes that was against him was nothing more than playing out the will of God. Amen. And so we see his first prayer tonight. Then go with me to Matthew chapter 27 for just a moment. In Matthew chapter number 27, if I'll give you just a moment to turn there. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46, and I know that you're familiar with this text tonight, but in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46, the Bible says about and about the ninth hour. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want you to notice some things about this second prayer tonight. I call this the forsaken prayer. We see the first prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But we find this second prayer at Calvary. Calvary, this place of prayer, we find it here as a forsaken prayer as Jesus is crying out to his Father and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want you to notice the address of his prayer here amongst these three prayers. The first prayer, Jesus calls his Father, Father. In the last prayer, he calls him Father. But in this middle prayer, this forsaken prayer, he does not call him Father, but he calls him God. What that represents tonight is because that in the first three, Hours uh, from nine o'clock in the morning till 12 o'clock noonday, uh, Christ was in the hands of man. But from 12 o'clock noonday, from high noon uh, till three o'clock, he was in the hands of God. uh, And darkness uh, was upon the face of the earth for those three hours. uh, Fellowship had been broken because of sin. uh, And Jesus, in all that blackness uh, and in all of that darkness, uh, when the Father had turned his face away from the Son, you know what Jesus does? he begins to pray, amen? And he says, my God, my God, what he is saying here as he calls him God rather than Father, he's letting us know that the fellowship between him and his Father has been broken, amen? It is not what it was. You say, why? Because of sin, amen? God cannot look upon sin. But note this tonight. Just because there was a separation, in the Trinity does not mean there was a division, amen. You say, what do you mean? What I mean by that is the Trinity has always been in perfect unity. Isn't that a blessing tonight? And because the Father turned his face away, And he says, my God, my God, I believe the triune had been separated, the spirit turned away, the father turned away, once for the father, once for the spirit, my God, my God. And as they turned away from Jesus, because he became sin for us. You see, the Bible said God is a spirit, isn't that right? And the Bible said in the book of Colossians, chapter number one, talking about Jesus, he said that in him should dwell all the fullness of the Godhead, what, bodily, amen? God is a spirit but when Jesus came to this earth God poured all of himself and who he was into the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ he is a person and that's why Jesus said if you've seen me then you've seen the father he was deity incarnate he was the son of God amen in the flesh and Jesus is on the cross and he's bearing the sins of the world in his body my friend on the tree when you think about that it was God that died at Calvary, amen it was just as much God as it was man, I mean Jesus said if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father, and he's hanging on that cross, and he's bearing the weight of that sin, and the Bible says that the Father and the Spirit turns away, and he says my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me he calls him his God because the fellowship has been broken That ought to make us all want to shout tonight that Jesus would love us so much and that the Father would love us so much that they were willing to break fellowship at Calvary so that Christ could bear the sins of all humanity. The Trinity was in 100% agreement before the foundations of this world. They knew it would require separation They knew that God could not look upon sin and that if the son became sin for us, then the father would have to turn away and abandon him. So we find this address as he says, uh, here he says, uh, my God, my God. And then there's the abandonment. As he says, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus uh, does not allow what he feels nor what he faces uh, to keep him from praying. Even though the face of the father had turned away, even though that God was no longer looking, looking upon him and fellowship had been broken. You know what he does? He prays anyway. Amen. He goes on praying. That tells me that we ought to never stop praying. No matter what we face, no matter how we feel, no matter how dark it may be in our life, it was pretty dark in this text. In fact, it's one of the darkest places, if not the darkest place in all the annals of history. And in the midst of that darkness, Jesus takes Calvary and he turns it into a place of prayer. He is Still praying in the darkness, amen. Still praying. The abandonment, the address. Then I want you to notice the attitude. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You would almost think that there was no hope and no use in praying this prayer whatsoever. But I want to tell you, I read this today and I just about shouted, I shared it with my wife. I said, well, I hope it's as good tonight as it was, you know, but sometimes it gets real good by yourself and you come thinking it's gonna be real good here and it just, (laughs) but I read that this afternoon and I got to looking at that text and it looks as if, why would you pray if God has forsaken you, Lord? Why would you pray if God has turned his face away? Why would you pray if you're as black as sin can be because you're bearing the sins of humanity. Oh, there's a word here in this little phrase that I tell you, it thrills my soul. Jesus' fellowship had been broken, but not relationship, amen? You see, relationship cannot be broken. It doesn't matter what my girls do uh, tonight. It doesn't matter what my girls say tonight. They can say that that, uh, my wife and and I is not their parents. Uh, They can deny us. Uh, They can turn their back on us. Uh, They can say all kinds of things Uh, and fellowship can be broken, but there's one thing they cannot deny. No matter how much they say it, no matter if they even convince themselves and believe it, there's a fact that remains tonight our blood flows in their veins amen there is a relationship that cannot be separated it was given through life and there is kinship and when Jesus prays this prayer I'm gonna tell you what kind of prayer this was it was a prayer of faith amen you say what do you mean a prayer of faith well he called him God because fellowship had been broken but notice what he put in front of God he said my God my God amen I'm telling you Jesus. Jesus had enough faith at Calvary by the grace of God that he knew I'm about to think myself happy he had enough faith uh, at Calvary to know this uh, that eventually after this was over with when it was finished uh, that relationship was going to be restored Uh, he had enough faith in the Father to know uh, that it may be abandonment right now but it's going to be sweet reunion when it's all over with Uh, and oh what a welcome committee oh what a homecoming it must have been uh, uh, when he the high priest walked into that presence of God and put his, mer- his blood on the mercy seat. I don't know if the father, or if my friend, looked and smiled or not, but I kindly think that my friend, the face of God, uh, smiled upon his son because he had finished uh, the work at Calvary. Hallelujah. And I want to say tonight, we ought to pray. No matter what we face or how we feel, because tonight there's nothing the devil or sin or anything else can ever do about relationship. I know David said that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, and I certainly believe that tonight. We cannot harbor sin and God hear our prayer. I'm not talking about that, but here's what I am talking about. There's never been a day in my life where I felt worthy enough for God to hear me. That used to bother me as a young Christian. And the devil would defeat me because I think what's the use in praying? I mean, I don't hardly get to 12 o'clock and I come short. There's so many things I ought to do that I don't do as hard as I may try. I always feel like I'm missing that mark. I always feel like I'm coming up short. What's the point in praying? I'm gonna tell you the point in praying, friend. It may not always be that I'm everything I'm supposed to be, but he's always everything he's supposed to be. And I may falter and I may fail, but he never falters and he never fails. So just pray on anyway because, there's a relationship that's binding tonight my friend don't let the devil stump you up I'm here to tell you and I praise God he said I will not leave thee I will not forsake thee you don't know why God won't forsake you because he forsook his son in Calvary so that we could have a relationship he broke fellowship so that you and I could have a relationship and thank God for this prayer in this darkest hour hallelujah tonight amen praise God Whoa! Hallelujah! I say bless the Lord thank God he prayed for me he prayed when I wasn't even here he prayed through the darkness he did it for you and he did it for me I tell you it makes me want to pray to know that the Savior prayed in spite of the darkness hallelujah I want to say tonight we find here the forsaken prayer but I want you to go back with me to Luke chapter 23 again And I want you to notice not only the first prayer and the forsaken prayer, but I want you to notice with me in verse 46, the final prayer. This is a very important passage for two reasons. It is the final words of our Lord before his death. You know, the last words of a dying man are often remembered. It's important not only because it's his last words, but it's also his last prayer this side of the grave. And I think about when I read this text, I got a blessing out of this. Jesus dies in this verse. I think like every Christian ought to die. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I want to say he died praying. And I don't know about you, but if if I had a choice in the matter of how to die, I'd like to die talking to God, wouldn't you? I think that's a good way to die. He dies talking to his father. He not only died talking to his father, but in this verse, he died meditating on the scriptures. You go back to Psalms 31 in verse number five, you've got this verse. You've got this saying, into thy hands I commit my spirit. That's in Psalms 31 and verse five. You think about it. When Jesus died, he died praying and he died meditating on the word of God. The very living word is meditating on the written word. Why would he do that? I'll tell you why. Because the two greatest comforts that we have when we go through trials and hardships of life is prayer and the word of God. If anything's gonna sustain us when we go through the dark times of life like Jesus is in this text, it's gonna be prayer and it's gonna be the word of God. And Jesus is leaning on that. He's finding comfort as it gets ready to exit this world. One day that curtain, we're gonna pass, all pass through it one day. If we don't go by way of the rapture, my friend, we'll pass through the curtain of time and we'll, my friend, make our way to the shores of home. I'll tell you what I'd like to be thinking about. I'd like to be thinking about this book. I'll tell you who I'd like to be thinking about. I'd like to be thinking about the one I'm gonna see when I get to the other side. Amen. I'm telling you, in the darkest hours of life, you still got a Bible. You still got an open door to pray. I tell you, we ought to bless the Lord. We ought to thank his, uh, his glorious name uh, that there's never a valley too deep. Uh, there's never a river too wide. Uh, there's never a mountain too high that what we can't get a promise uh, and we can't get a prayer from God. Uh, I'm here to tell you tonight, thank God uh, for his final prayer, amen. And I see that Jesus dies in this text. But I want you to notice women, in verse 46. He dies in the Father's presence. He said, Father, it's no longer God, it's Father. Jesus died in the presence of His Father. Three hours of darkness and blackness at Calvary. Jesus starts His time on the cross, He begins it with prayer. At high noon, when it's at that dark hour, He's praying. In His closing hour on the cross, in His final moments, He's praying. You know, the psalmist said that thing. I just thought of that. Evening, morning, and noon. That's exactly how Jesus prays on the cross. Evening, morning, and noon. Well, I cry aloud. He prayed like Daniel of old and David did of the Psalms. And Jesus dies... In the presence of his father. Just before this, he cries and says, It is finished. Friend, when it was finished, the fellowship was restored. And Jesus calls him his father again. He died in his father's presence. You know, I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't think about it neither. I've met some people, they spent 20 years dying. I don't want to be like that. You ever met anybody like that? You know, Isaac's in the Bible. Not Isaac Proctor. Amen, Isaac here in the Bible. And not Isaac, uh, wherever, Sutherland, you are. But uh, Isaac in the Bible, he thought he was going to die. He, when he gave his blessing, wanted to give his blessing to Esau, he thought he was going to die. And he lived like, what was it, 50-something more years? He wasn't even close to dying. And I've met some people in church. I mean, they've been dead for 20 years. They start in their 50s. Preparing, Planning. And they lived to be, them people lived to be 90. I don't know why. But I'll tell you, I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die. But I'll tell you, I know one thing about death I'll die in the presence of my Father. As the old songwriter said, He'll hold my hand when I cross that river. There'll be somebody waiting at the river for me and you. The Bible said the Lord God's a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. I don't know. Sometimes when death comes, it's a strange thing. Being by the bedside. We've all been by the bedside of people when they've made their passing. Some have been so, so conscious of their passing and so conscious of what was taking place. Others was comatose and hadn't said anything for hours and sometimes days when they when they make that crossing. And sometimes the family fades out of view. Sometimes friends will fade out of view. And I'll tell you, there's one that never fades out of view. He only fades into view, amen. I'll tell you, this whole world uh, gets dim as we get close to the end. But the next world, amen, it opens up. That portal opens up uh, and we're able to see through Amen. man! You see, for us tonight, heaven's not across ten Milky Way galaxies uh, and across twenty ten universes. No, the Bible says it's like a veil. Amen. Heaven's a veil between here and yonder. My friend's closer than here in that microphone. If you want to get uh, just uh, if you want to get technical about it tonight, and when it comes time to make the crossing, you know what the Holy Ghost of God's going to do? He's just going to pull back that curtain on that portal. Hey, man! I'll see it as clear as I'm looking at that microphone, right, like, now. I may not see a whole lot around me. I may not know a whole lot around me but I tell you I'll not be a stranger when I get to that city thank God I won't have to cross Jordan alone there'll be somebody standing at the river thank God and I'll die in the presence of the one that's been with us every step of the way hallelujah I see in this final prayer he died in his father's presence he died within his father's providence what I mean by that is even in death Jesus is still king. You say, what do you mean? Well, look at that tape. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus, word commend means to yield, dismiss. Jesus was still in control when he got ready to die. He was in control of everything that took place. He could stand there before the Sanhedrin and say nothing because he was in control. On the cross, they thought they pierced him to that cross, but he was on the cross because he was in control. And when it came time to die, you see, my friend, when we die, we may have to surrender to the will of cancer or we may have to send surrender to the will of a car accident. We may have to surrender to the will of some shooter. We don't have no control over that. We may have to surrender to who knows what it may take us out of this world if we go by way of the, the cards tonight. But Jesus didn't have to surrender to nobody. He could die when he got ready to die. He could die at that appointed time that it was the the Father's will. It didn't matter how much they pierced him, it didn't matter how much they beat him, it didn't matter, listen, what they did to Jesus, he wasn't gonna die, he couldn't die until he for himself dismissed his own spirit. Amen. And when they my friend Calvary was finished, and when Jesus had bare bore the load and paid the sin there, when he cried, it is finished. Now he was ready to die. And how he chose to die was through prayer and with one final prayer to his father he prayed and he died with him the father's providence amen then I want to say this in closing he died in the father's hands he said father into thy hands I commend my spirit I want to say Jesus died in good hands didn't he he had been in the hands of the Sanhedrin the hands of Herod the hands of the angry mob, the hands, of the, the hands of Pilate, the hands of the soldiers. But I want to tell you the last hands that Jesus was in before he left this world was the hands of his father. I want to say you can pray when you're in the hands of the father. It doesn't matter what we face in life. We may pass through a lot of people's hands but we're always in the hands of God. You think about Joseph tonight. Whenever Joseph lived his life, some of you boys come here in just a minute. I'll give one final illustration. Just start over here. Amen. Y'all just stand in a line for just a minute. And... Uh, Come here a second, Sister Lily. Joseph, his life, if you'll stand right there between them two. This represents Joseph's life. And Joseph, as he went through life, he passed through a lot of hands. He was in his brother's hands. And then he was in Potiphar's hands. I got you all backwards. Come over here. Amen. Amen. He was in Potiphar's wife's hands. Then he was in Potiphar's hands. And then Joseph was in the prison guard's hands. And finally, he was in Pharaoh's hands. But that's not really how Joseph passed through. I'm going to tell you how he passed through. He started in his brother's hands. And then he went to Potiphar's wife's hands. And then he was in Potiphar's hands. And then he was in the jailer's hands. And finally he was in Pharaoh's hands. But notice he was never out of God's hand. And I want to tell you tonight, there's nothing that can ever happen to us that what it doesn't pass through his hands tonight. And you can be seated. You know why Jesus could pray at Calvary? because he was in the hands of God.